morning. It's a privilege for me to be asked to speak today. Pastor mentioned that he's got a lot on his plate. I could only imagine with a family, extended family that size, and all there is to orchestrate, and so a funeral yesterday, one tomorrow, and wow, what, what heavy times, heavy hearts I can imagine are looming, and it's, it's a different feel for us, <laughs> depending where we are in, in the experience of death and thinking about this. I know just in my personal life, I haven't been to a lot of funerals, but as a kid growing up in an unsaved family, death was just a scary thing. Death was not something I understood a lot about. Who could blame me, right? <laughs> but others have more, more experience with death and dying. And as I, after I became a Christian and began witnessing a Christian funeral and the word rejoicing and celebration, words like these being used, I thought, whoa, this is a different twist. And I began to understand there is a different side of it. And how does faith in Jesus Christ affect not only our life on this earth, but obviously our eternity, but that, that transitional period between here and the life beyond. It's pretty, pretty awesome. There's a lot to this world that is beyond what we can observe with our eyes. Isn't it fascinating? And in a while, we're going to see something with our eyes that represents something that's real, but we don't see with our eyes. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Shout it out if you want to. Oh, all right, so it's no secret. And that is really fun and exciting. I recently, on the, on the topic of death, though, and funerals, I was recently talking with a friend in China who is a new believer. He's been saved for about a year. He was saved just after the Chinese New Year a year ago. He was six years old when his daddy died, and now he has a heavenly father, and he's really excited. He's uh, an enthusiastic witness for Christ. He suffers in his family. He's told to shut up and don't talk about that, and he's scorned for turning his back on traditional Chinese Buddhism, and he struggles with that. Coming from his sister, who is a professing Communist Party member, professed atheist, who is bowing on her knees and leading his little three-year-old niece. Ooh, it burns him to see this. Leading her to bow down and worship idols. And that's hard for Bruce, the Chinese Bruce. And we can pray for him. But he was recently sharing with me, and it brought up a lot of memories and a lot of times, a lot of occasions where walking down any given Chinese street, 
we might see and observe somebody on the street corner, on the sidewalk, right there in the middle of the city, might be in a park somewhere, a heap of smoke ascending into heaven, and they're faithfully tending the fire and putting paper money onto the flames of my kids. How many of you remember seeing something like this? Raise it high so everybody can see. Okay. Yep. It's common. Why are you doing that? Well, there's a reason, and it has to do with what they believe about the spirit of the departed dead. Where does that spirit go? One of my favorite verses is in James where he says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. But what does that mean? A, the, the body without a spirit? It would, you know, it's dead. I, what, what gives me life? It's not the food I eat. Though if I go maybe 41 days, <laughs> I will cease to be. I probably lose a lot of my, I won't tell you how much I weigh. I would lose a lot of my poundage. But what happens to the spirit when the departs the body? So I'm so thankful for this book because it tells me that everything I see was created by something which I cannot see. So that the invisible things are more important and more powerful than the things that we can see and observe, touch, taste, feel. And what is my real origin? Where does life come from? And we thank God that we know the answer. Life comes from God. And he collects the spirit back to himself. Actually, the Bible says it is written, uh, it's, uh, it's appointed to man once to die, after this, the judgment. And then there are two types of results. For those who have received Christ as Savior, we go to be with the Lord forever. And for those who have not received the gift of God's forgiveness, because we all have a fatal problem called sin, that's the origin of death. Death came into the world through sin. And if we don't get that problem fixed, God rejects us. For we, for I have rejected him. And by his grace, when I was about 18 years old, I heard the gospel, the, the good story of God's love for me. And it changed me. And I want to talk about actually baptism today. And I thought, I just realized yesterday, oh, pastor just taught on this a couple weeks ago. I hope there's not too much overlap. But going into this risky grounds, I'll do it anyway. So I wanted to talk about the idea of death, though, also, because... It is so grave, and it does tie into baptism. 
And so it's an encouragement for me to know these things that I can tell my friend Bruce. What thing, what does God's word teach about death? Where does the spirit of the spirit of man go when it departs the body? And one of the reasons they burn this money, this paper money, they spend real money to buy paper money to burn so that they can make provisions for the departed dead in the hereafter. And if they don't do that, they fear something bad going to happen to me. Something bad going to happen to you. Something bad's going to happen in the family. And there are, there are people in society who you can consult and figure things out like this. But, and they have a whole litany of things they do. And they don't even know why they do them, some of them, who even prescribe these things. But it's, it's a whole bunch of superstition that holds people in fear and ignorance. And the truth can set us free. And again, I'm so thankful I can tell Bruce, don't fear. Spirits of men don't hang out and taunt us or hold power over us. They cannot influence us. What is the source of blessing? It is being in Christ. Christ is the resurrection and the life. He is the fountainhead of life. He is life. And in him we are blessed with all spiritual blessings, every spiritual blessing possible and available is in him. And it is yours. It is mine. The moment we put our trust, transfer what we believe and our trust, who we're relying on from self or anything else to him. Blessing, all blessing. And that includes forgiveness from our sin, number one. And it includes being adopted into the family of God. Made his child, not just a child for my kids, thankfully, not just a child of Yusef Abnauer, who passed on to them from Adam through a great line of ancestors. And through me, they get a sinful nature. Shame on me. And then, you know, Another, there's another life and a, one who is responsible for all they do. Thankfully, we have a Savior. We have someone who came into the world to bear our burden for us, one that we could not bear. We would be crushed under the load to die, not only to die, but be separated forever from God. And baptism, as we're going to talk about this morning, is a picture of this miracle of life what in the world it seems strange that's why i wrote that i, I did, actually i wrote it a little flippantly <laughs> what should a subtitle be well i just want to talk about what in the world this is because it's kind of curious isn't it to see somebody get baptized at least i thought it was when i first understood this but not after I was taught from Romans chapter 6 what it means, what it symbolizes, what it signifies. And it's so exciting to me that I wanted to talk about it. And similar to talking to Bruce about, you know, you don't have to 
fear the demons, angels, principalities, powers, and any other power, all power, is under Jesus Christ. He is the top, he is the head, he is the supreme authority. Fear no one, no body else, nothing else, neither death, nor life, nor angels, principalities, powers, nothing at all in the created world, visible or invisible. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ. Don't worry about it. If there are evil spirits threatening, they have no power. They lose their power at the name of Jesus Christ, in the presence of Jesus Christ. And when I am transferred from being just a person among people in the world, a commoner, one of the sons of Adam, when I am transferred and placed from among the many into the one, the blessed one, Jesus Christ, I take on a new identity, and it's called his identity. To say Christian, okay, but to say Christ is more accurate. But since there's so many of us little Christs, Christian is the word that we use. And, but we are in Christ. And I just threw that bunch of Chinese text from a message that my wife recently received on the board there because it's a reminder that not everybody sees things the same. This, my wife expressed her views about baptism. I don't know, maybe she was sharing about somebody being baptized or going to be baptized soon. And somebody wrote back and said, well, it doesn't have to be immersion. You know, you don't have to get dunked under the water. The Bible doesn't have any requirements about this. And I just wanted to say, people disagree about this. That's okay. We want to see what the Bible says, though, and go from there. Actually, I'm going to back up. Whoa. Back up, because you probably already read all that. Hey, who keeps doing that? I bet it's in my pocket. I better take that out. All right. And I forgot to pray. No, no. I remembered. I just remembered to pray. So let's, let's ask God to teach us from his word. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit and how you directed holy men of God to write down what you wanted to communicate to us. Thank you that we have a book, which though it's written by men, it's from your instruction, from your mind, your mouth, your breath, from you to us. Please help us, God, to be of humble hearts and minds to receive your teaching and strengthen us by your spirit that we might live in accordance to it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so baptism in the Bible, and this is a summary. I encourage you to do your own study, but I just have condensed some of the highlights as I, from what I've learned as I studied this in the scriptures. There's three types and happily, we have one verse that represents them all. And anybody here, please, if you find one thing, even if it's the tiniest type, talk to me about it. You know, if you differ or disagree, or I'm fascinated and I want to learn more. So please, corner me afterwards. 
So here's the three types, and I'll read the, the verse here. I indeed said John the Baptist. Isn't he the authority with a name like John the Baptist? Who can tell us more? I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit and with fire. My daughter today, she said, one of them, they said, I like the word spirit better. I said, ah, me too, me too. <laughs> anyway, so here's John the baptizer, and he says, I baptized you with water unto repentance. And so his baptism was one of repentance. And I'll read uh, just a short bit from Isaiah 40, verse 3 and following. The voice of him who cries in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. God is coming. Remove all obstacles from his path. Don't get in the way. Every valley will be exalted. Low ground will be raised. And every mountain and hill will be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight. And the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. All flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Cry! And he says... <clears throat> What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness of flesh is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, and the flower fades. Because the Spirit of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people is grass. In this illustration, people are like grass. The glory of man is like the flower. Oh, it blooms. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's withering. Oh, it's dead. And so the grass, it's green, it's vibrant, it's strong, it's too long. Mow it down. And it's gathered and it's burnt. So, why do we need God? Why is God coming? What does God do when he comes? Does he not judge? Is he not upright? Is he not holy? Does he not require of us? Has he not given us moral responsibility? And are we ready to see God and stand before him in the flesh? Nobody else around or maybe everybody else around. And we are before him as naked. And he can see right through us. He knows us through and through. All we've thought, done, said. I baptize with you with water unto repentance. And so this is for people, for an Israelite in this day to come to John and say, please put me under. Means I'm a sinner. I've got sin. 
and I don't have a mic. Turn it on, but I don't have one. I'll just stay here, it's okay. Um, sorry, <laughs> I was slow to look at that. So for an Israelite to come to John Baptist and, and say, I believe you, what you're saying is true, God is visiting his people and I want to be ready. And I repent of my sin. I have need of God's cleansing. I have need of being baptized. I have need to, to say to God, I'm on your side. I haven't been. I've done a lot of wrong things. But I believe you're coming. I want to separate myself from sin and I want to welcome you when you come or when your special servant comes on the scene. I want to, I don't want to get your wrath. I want to be blessed and receive and be part of your kingdom, your everlasting kingdom. That's John's baptism. It's with water to signify repentance. But somebody else is coming behind me, after me, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So, just quickly focusing on what? Water. Why? Because I'm dirty and need a bath? Maybe spiritually speaking. What's fire? If you read on in this passage in Matthew 3, which I won't right now, but it's talking about the Son of God. When he comes, he's going to gather his wheat. That's the good stuff. And he's going to put it into his barn. And the chaff, that's the inedible void of nutrition part of the plant that will be burned with fire, unquenchable. And he will completely, thoroughly purge his floor. That means he'll leave no trace of no nothing that's bad, yucky, or unnutritious. So that only the good is left. Everything is clean. Baptism with fire, I suggest to you today, is not something that we want, but rather that we want to avoid. And then there's the baptism of the Spirit. Baptism of the Spirit is something that Jesus experienced. Jesus, John the baptizer, saw Jesus coming. Before he saw him coming, he did not know who is the special servant of God, that, uh, who is God, who I am here to announce his coming and to make straight his way. And God said, I'll show you who he is. He's the one upon whom you will see the Spirit of God descending like a dove and landing on his body. That's the one, and you'll know. And John would point him out to everybody else so that all Israel would know, and through them, all the world would know 
God kept his promise. God did what he said he would do. And that's what Paul tells us in Romans 15. He came as a servant of the circumcision to fulfill the promises of God. That's neat. So Jesus, at his water baptism, when John, when he came to John, and John baptized Jesus, though he was reluctant, he said, you're coming to me? I have need to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, trust me, cuz, this is the right thing to do. Majorly paraphrased, pardon me for that, and we'll move on. So Jesus, when he was baptized by John, water baptism, and he coming up out of the water, the, the Spirit of God descended on him, and John saw it. And he said, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All the world's sin, if this Bible could represent that. All the sin of the world. Pages and pages of history and tribes and clans and peoples and nations and millennia. That's a lot of grandmas and grandpas and Adams. Well, there's only one Adam and Eve and all their seed and descendants from then till future. Christ came to take away the sin of the world. And in him is no sin. How does that happen? It's a miracle. And yet, he is a God of means, and he did it, really. So, for us, in our experience of salvation, when we receive Jesus as our Savior, that means we believe he is able to take care of my sin problem. He's able to remove my sin. And I believe in him. And I trust that what he did on the cross, there's a little cross up there, what he did at the cross was for me. When he suffered the wrath of God at the hands of sinful men, that's a picture of what I deserve as a sinful man at the hands of a holy God. I deserve death for my sins. That's the just payment that I deserve. And God the Father turned his back on his son. And Jesus experienced separation from God. Some believe he died of a broken heart. He died for you and for me. So, for us, baptism or the Spirit of God, when we receive the Spirit of God, when we say, Jesus, I believe in you, God gives us a special gift called the Holy Spirit. And he forgives our sin. Squeak, squeak, squeak. He washes our heart clean, puts our sin away. He imparts to us a new nature. One that cries, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. A new nature. Before God was estranged to me and I to him, he was a judge. And I didn't want to meet up with him. 
I was on the dark side and on the wrong side of the equation. Now I know him as my loving Heavenly Father. And so the Holy Spirit gives us forgiveness of sins, imparts us a new nature, that's called the new birth, and seals to our inner nature, seals to me in the inner man a promise of eternal life, a promise of inheritance in the kingdom to come. A plot, a space, a place for me to be with him forever in his glorious kingdom that is where, wherein dwells righteousness and there is no sin, no sorrow, no crying, no death, no dying. Wow, this is awesome. So, the Spirit. And before we move to the text, the classic text for baptism in Romans 6, which we will just jog through. I know the time is gone. Very soon. Three types. Sprinkling. Pouring, probably to safely avoid the eyes and nose. And there's immersing, which doesn't care much about that. You just go under. And three texts, which there are many, many, but just to be representative of some of the, what the scriptures say, John was in a certain place because, the scripture says, because there was a lot of water there which you don't need, you know, a, a bucket would suffice for sprinkling. 20 or 30 buckets might suffice for pouring, but he was in a place where I think immersing was convenient. Mark 1.10 says that Jesus coming up out of the water presupposes that he went down into water, which you wouldn't do in a bucket really, or, well, I won't go on there. And Acts 8 which is another one where somebody said they all right bringing this to a close <laughs> so when the ethiopian eunuch heard philip explain to him from isaiah 53 that jesus fulfilled the prophecy of a suffering savior he by his stripes we are healed. And he understood what Jesus suffered was for me. And he said, hey, look, there's water. Philip must have told him, those who believe should be baptized. That's what the scriptures teach, this pattern. Believers are baptized. So we don't baptize people because we're following the Bible if we don't baptize until they have said, I believe in Jesus. He's the son of God. He died for sinners. And I'm one of them. He died for me. And I believe he rose again. God raised him from the dead. And when that Ethiopian eunuch realized that, he said, Hey, there's some water. And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And they went down into the water, and he baptized him. All right. <clears throat> 
That's what the scriptures teach. And for brevity's sake, because really, the cherry on top is coming when the screen goes up, right? But what Romans chapter 6 teaches us, teaches us is the, the burden that Paul's communicating is, so as a Christian now, don't continue to sin because that don't make sense. And he builds a logical argument that if we are dead to sin, sin's not controlling us anymore because the, a dead person, he who is dead, is free from sin. And sin has no more right or control over that individual anymore. And we don't want to sin anyway when we're born again. Doesn't mean we don't, but that's not what we want to do. And Paul says, get your life into harmony with this truth. And he helps him and he says, don't you know, whoever's been baptized into Jesus Christ has been baptized into his death. His death becomes my death. He's buried and our old sinful nature is buried with him. His resurrection from the grave coming up out of the water is a symbol, a visual aid that so too now I with him am alive from the dead to walk in newness of life. No more to be associated with my sinful lusts and passions which still beat in my chest, but I'm to reckon or consider them dead with Jesus at the cross. Forget about him. Forget about him. They, they might keep coming back. But consider that old man dead and you're alive with Christ. To alive unto God. That's what Jesus is. Alive unto God. Everything he thinks, says, and does is for God. In light of God. Unto God. And that's how my life is to be as well. So the essence of baptism, it's an external demonstration of an inward reality. A visible picture of the invisible truth. What is it? A closer look. Ta-da! Uh-oh. I hit the wrong button. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Here is water baptism. So in the, in the lower left, I noticed the guy on the left inside the little Egyptian coffin-looking thing turned sideways. Now, actually, it says, in Christ. That's a person who is in Christ. That means when I have believed in Jesus, the Spirit of God places me like if I had something I could dip in this water. He places me into Jesus Christ. So if it's in the cup, it's in Christ. Spiritually, that's where my spirit is. I'm not even here right now. Did you know that? That's what Paul teaches us in Colossians. You are dead and your life is hidden with Christ at the right hand of the Father. Is this guy speaking the truth? That's what the Bible says. And so my life is his life. And that's how, if you were here for the hour previous to this, Brother Bob was telling us how we are to live in light of this truth. 
So a person who has received Christ, Christ has received him. And we go into the water to signify, I am crucified with him. Under the water, I am buried with him. Coming up out of the water, I am risen with Jesus. What's true of him is true of me. And I could have no greater joy than to see my kids separate themselves from my natural origins in the negative sense as a son of Adam. Dad, I don't want your old nature. I'm done with that. <laughs> I want Jesus. And so, in Christ, I am crucified with him. My sinful nature is buried. I'm risen with him. And these are some other scriptures. I'll just allude to Philippians 1, 20 through 27, where Paul says, For me to live as Christ, to die, is even better. To die is gain. That's when I'm going to get the full reward of all I've done in yielding my life to him that he might live through me and the good things that I do will come back. All that we sow unto the Spirit of God, he will give back to us. Good measure, pressed down and flowing over. We do not live for God in vain. It's the most profitable way to live. And Paul goes on to say, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. And when, if and when I get to see you again, here's what I want to see and behold with my eyes that you are living in what way? And I won't go into the long story, but he does say some restrictive words, which I want to take to heart, and I hope, I want to encourage you. If someone is here today and you have not yet received Christ as your Savior, may you understand that's who he is, and he's the only one, and that he loves you, and everything he suffered for, it was for you. And everything he gained is for you and he offers to share with you eternal life inheritance in his coming kingdom and to be your life and sustenance this whole life through and for those of us who already have received christ only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of christ only live in such a way only let only allow which means disallow anything else that's out of bounds with one thing conformity to the gospel of christ what is the gospel that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures he was buried and that he rose again the third day and that's what we see in romans 6 and that's what everybody who sees me should see is that i am dead to sin my old man is buried i am alive to god that's different. I hope so. I hope my life has some whisper, some trace, some odiferous scent of that truth. And if it doesn't, what am I living for? But if it does, I know what I'm living for. The pleasure of my Heavenly Father. Because that's who Jesus is. That's what Jesus is like. Don't you know? I don't need lunch. 
My meat is to do the will of him who sent me. All right, you'll see me down there eating too. But that's the heartbeat of Jesus. Lord, what would you have me to do? Remind you of the Apostle Paul? That was his quote. And so may that be in you and I. That's our role model, Jesus. And the Apostle Paul. And you and I, as we follow him. And as Mickey and Ellie and James are about to follow him in believer's baptism, may we see in them the same thing that God hopes to see in you and me. Followers of Jesus, the likeness and the image of his son in us. My, behold my son in whom, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. A new heartbeat, a new, a new path, a new goal. We have a new destination. And as we now transition into this next phase of the service, I will ask pastor <laughs> to, to come and handle the transition. And actually, Brother Bob, do you mind if I pray first? That might be a smoother transition <laughs> for you. Heavenly Father, we do praise you for the miracle of life. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, creating this world and doing it through the Word, through Jesus, with such a grand plan in mind and, in, and in inviting us, embracing us, and enfolding us into your plan. Thank you for the evidence of the work of your Spirit in our hearts and lives. Thank you for this good day to, to watch these baptisms as indicators of the spiritual work that you did in their hearts, in their minds, in their conscience, and as they follow you, we pray you bless them and strengthen them against all the works of the devil, the influence of the world, the weight of our own old man. Strengthen us all to go on by your spirit in your word, in your grace, to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.